Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Again, follow the leaders where we are, and we have went through a, uh, I guess, four different topics in this series, and this morning we're going to wrap it up, and uh, I, I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have enjoyed studying for it, and um, one of the things as I've kind of gone through this, and I, I shared this last week a little bit, the, a lot of the, the underlying tone or message behind this series has been uh, the idea of looking at leadership and who do we follow and why do we follow and all of those kinds of things. And with, with follow the leader, we're obviously taking a look at Christ and areas of Christ's life, the attributes that Christ has that, that would cause us to follow him. And we hit on being humble, we hit on being a servant, we hit on forgiveness, we've hit on, last week we hit on compassion, and so we've hit on a number of different things, and not only has it been uh, convicting for me looking at who Christ is and the things that Christ has really taught us about all of these passages of Scripture, it's really been convicting as a leader uh, and I don't know how many of you lead in different areas of your life, whether it just be at home or it be at your workplace, but as a leader to look at this and think, wow, am I a humble leader? Am I a servant leader? Am I a leader that is forgiving? Am I a leader that is compassionate? And in my own life, I've kind of had to, to take and look at some of these things and really, uh, I guess, take the gut check on many of them in areas where I need to, to work on and different things of that nature, but... As we get into this last week, as we end this series right prior to Christmas, and I know we, I haven't really done a uh, quote-unquote Christmas sermon or a Christmas series this year, and we'll do a more of a Christmas sermon next Sunday and then on Wednesday night with our Christmas Eve service, but really as we look at this, we're looking at Christ, and as we, we kind of wrap this whole thing up this morning, in some ways we've kind of we're almost going backwards in some things when it would be to a Christmas ser- series, but when we come to it this morning, we're going to look at why Christ came. We've hit on a number of different things throughout this series. Like I said, we talked about Christ. When, when He came, Christ was humble. When He came, Christ was a servant. Christ was forgiving. Last week, Christ was compassionate. But as we look at this week and we look at a leader and we look at the qualities of leadership and we look at different things, we would see, well, why did Christ come to begin with? Why why do we have Christmas and the the manger and all of the things that we would celebrate around this season of of Jesus' coming and Jesus' birth? Why? Why is He here? When we think of a, a leader that you may follow, some of the things you may ask yourself is, well, why would I follow that person? What is it that they do or what, where are they going that I would follow them? If I were to stand up here and I were to say, well, thank you for coming to Oasis this morning. I have no idea what our church is about nor where we're headed. But I'm glad you're here next week. Um, hopefully you'll come back, but I have no idea what we'll be doing. I don't know, would somebody go back and take care of the kids? 
Would any of you go over and take the, the babies? You would probably look at me and go, ah, I don't think I'm going to hang out there too often. Because there's, there's no direction, there's no leadership, there's no vision, there's nowhere that anything is headed. We're headed nowhere because every week I'm going to go, hey, any ladies volunteer for the nursery this week? Because there's six kids in here and they need not be in here because they're screaming. No, we, you want somebody that has some form of direction of where they're going. And so as we get into this morning and as we look at Christ, why did He come? One of the things often I know for myself when I look at leadership and when I look at people that I would follow, I want to know who they are. I want to know what their agenda is. Have you ever worked around somebody that has an agenda? And the agenda typically is them. They're hard to work with. Because everything that you do, you're thinking, or what they do, you're thinking, I wonder why they're doing that. Where is that taking them? And then have you ever worked along somebody that literally there is just no agenda? Well, they have, they have the goal of what they're doing, but there's no agenda. It's not about themselves. It's not like I have this hidden thing over here that really this is where we're going. I'm just not letting you know that. No, when we work with somebody that has no agenda, they just genuinely want to just work. Hey, we've got a job to do. Here's where we're going. I like working for somebody like that. I try to be an... I'm not really an agenda person. I don't have my own hidden agendas somewhere. That's just not who I am. It's never been who I am. I just want to work. I want to serve. I want to do what I'm supposed to do. But when you work alongside of others that have those, sometimes it makes work a little bit more difficult. It makes following somebody more difficult because you don't quite know what that agenda is that they're after. And so as we look at Christ this morning and why did Christ come? I want to take us to a number of passages of scripture. Nathan, if you're just going to kind of fly through me or fly with me through these, I've got a handful of scriptures this morning as to some of what God's word tells us why he came. And we're going to start Mark chapter 10 and verse number 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He did not come for anything but to minister to, and to give his life is what it says there. Matthew eleven twenty seven. 27. No man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal. Jesus Christ came to reveal the Father. In Hebrews 10 and verse number 9, it says that he came to do the will of his Father. Then said he, Lo, I am come to do thy will, O God. And some of these, I've, I've cut out some of the, the words. I'm just hitting there. But in Luke 4 and verse 43, it says that he must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. I am sent to preach. John 18, 37, For this I am come into the world to Testify the truth. He has came to bear witness of the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice as we continue to go through there. First Peter 2. He came that he would leave us an example 
that ye should follow his steps. Hebrews chapter number 2. He came to be a merciful, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. So there's a number of different passages right there that, that would speak as to why Christ came to earth. Then we have a whole other section of verses that I'm going to read right now. In Luke chapter 19, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In Matthew 18, 11, it says something very similar. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. In Matthew 20, in verse number 28, the verse that we read not long ago, but it says, And give his life a ransom for many. In John 10, in verse number 10, it says that they might come, or the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. In 1 Timothy 1.15, it says that Christ came to save sinners. And this is Paul speaking, and he says, of whom I am chief. In Hebrews 9.26, it says that at the end of that, it says to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. In 1 John 3, in verse number 5, you know that he was manifested to do what? To take away our sins, and in him is no sin. John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God, which what? Taketh away the sin of the world. 1 Peter 2 and 24 says that he came to to bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Hebrews 9 and verse 28, it says, to bear the sins of many. And as we look at these two passages, or these two different sections of Scripture that we just read, one of them were a number of things that Jesus came to reveal the Father, Jesus came to do the will of the Father, Jesus came to preach the kingdom, and the others, these are all saying that Jesus came to seek and save the lost, Jesus came to bear our sins upon Himself, Jesus came for all of these things. And we look at the leader of who Christ is and how and why we can follow Christ, one of the things that we can pretty much hang our hat on is Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. And all throughout the New Testament and all throughout Scripture, and really as we look at the passage of Scripture in the Gospel, we see Jesus having done a number of different things, but everything that He did led to one thing and one thing only, to seek and to save those which were lost. So this morning we're going to be into a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 15. And really we could, I could probably, really all of these passages of Scripture that we read are sermons in and of themselves. I could even take the compare and contrasting of some of these that we just read and look at some of the why. If in Mark chapter 10 he came to serve, Why? Because he came to seek and to save. And how did he do that? By serving. He came to reveal the Father. Why? Again, he came to seek souls. And in doing so, in his revelation, he was saving and seeking souls. To preach the kingdom, what was he preaching? The gospel. And so on and so forth. That we could take these verses that we just looked at. But as we look at Luke chapter 15, and this is where we'll spend the 
the rest of our time this morning. A familiar passage, a passage of Scripture, <coughs> excuse me, a passage of Scripture that takes us to a, the lost sheep. And as we look at this idea, the vision of seeking and saving that which is lost, the vision behind why Jesus, the shepherd, was willing to go to the lengths that he went to. If we were to go throughout the New Testament this morning, and we were to look at a number of different things, one of the pass or the passage in this in fifteen one that speaks to me, and that doesn't speak to me, but it makes some sense to me, is if we look at Luke chapter fifteen, starting in verse number one, it says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans or the tax collectors and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Again, I'm going to go back to why he was here. Christ was here to seek and to save that which was lost. In one of the passages, one of the few passages that doesn't just make reference that Jesus was standing amongst the crowd or Jesus was was overseeing the, the multitudes, it says specifically here that he was with publicans and sinners. He was with people that Jesus probably, what we would look at, that guy shouldn't be hanging out with those people. He was with people, it says in 2, that the Pharisees and scribes murmured. They got angry. Why is this man receiving sinners? As we look through, if we were to kind of look at Jesus and take a look at Jesus, it really speaks volumes of his vision, of his mission that he was here to do. That he was here to fulfill. He was surrounded by the pariahs of the community, the wretches who collect taxes, the fallen women of the town, the riffraff who made up the audience, instead of repelling them, he drew them to himself. He never pushed them away. He pulled them to him. He didn't call them out as many would do. Why? Why? Because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And as we look at Jesus, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we're going to look at Jesus making reference in this parable of a lost sheep, of shepherd losing a sheep. And it makes sense as we tackle why Jesus was here. Why would Jesus go to Zacchaeus' house? Why would Jesus go and eat with these people that most would say, these are bad individuals these aren't people that you should hang out with. Why would Jesus go and, and tell the uh, and, and meet with the lady at the well? Or why would Jesus go and do the things that Jesus did? Because he had a vision, he had a mission, he had a goal that was he, he was here to do. To seek and to save. Well, if Jesus was to seek and to save, and all he did was hang out with all of the same people that were already saved. And who is he telling? Who is he sharing it with? That's not what Jesus did. But it was also the same people that should have been beside him and behind him going out and telling and going out and sharing and going out with him to love on others and to to serve others and to do those things that were the same people that were screaming and yelling, crucify him, crucify him. 
They were the same people that were screaming and yelling because he was with people that he shouldn't have been with. The religious elite were the people that should have been right beside him, encouraging him, lifting him up, thank you. But yet they were the ones that were saying, away with him. He really isn't this. If he was this, he wouldn't be doing that. This morning, we see an argument, basically in some aspects, we see an argument in Luke chapter 15, and Jesus takes the argument and basically shoves it right back at the individual. Have you ever been in an argument with somebody? And then they just take it and they spin it right on you and you're like, ah. And there's literally nothing you can say. Good crowd this morning. Has anyone ever been in an argument in here? All right. Wow. You guys are a lot of liars. But we've often, maybe not often, we've all been in an argument where somebody has kind of flipped it on you and where you never thought of that angle of it and you're like, oh, man. Busted. Done. There is no more to argue. There's nothing else to say. Jesus kind of does that. He takes these men and he takes the people as he's beginning to teach and he takes the Pharisees and he basically takes it right down to where they are And he says, what if one of your sheep were to leave? Would you not go after them? And he kind of takes why and what is going on here and he puts it right into their level, right at their place. And he begins to go after that. And we'll talk on that here this morning. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter number 15. Many of you are already there. But in Luke chapter 15, and we'll read the first seven verses this morning, it says this, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Father, this morning we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for each and every one that's in this room this morning. Lord, I pray that as I have studied, as I have prayed, as I have looked over this passage, Lord, that you would speak truth into our hearts. God, that you would convict us where there's areas in our own lives that we need to fix. Maybe today it's a day that we would come and we would be challenged, we would be encouraged. Maybe today's a day that we would see our lives a little bit differently. Maybe someone's hurting today and it's the understanding that Jesus is searching and seeking for them. Father, I pray that you would speak this morning. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. 
So this morning we're Luke chapter 15. And I'm going to take us into four points this morning that really look at this passage and kind of dissect it a little bit. But the first point is this, one subject. The thought of Jesus teaching and Jesus sharing the the idea or the the teaching of the parable, Jesus is letting them know and and obviously he takes it to the the sheep and the shepherd and then he wraps it up because he always, again, seeking and saving that which was lost, he, he makes reference that unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner. He was talking of the soul while he was teaching them the, the sheep and the shepherd. But he takes them just kind of, as we look at this, and we, we kind of dive into this just a little bit. What man of you, in verse 4, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine and in the wilderness and go after that which was lost until he find it. The question that was taken to them is, again, when your sheep have been lost, when we understand as a shepherd, if I'm looking around and I'm the shepherd and this is all the sheep that, that has been in our, in our gathering and I've counted each and every one of them and then I, I went back and I counted again and I, I counted again and I, I continually come up with one missing. And you understand, as a shepherd, one's gone. And again, if we were to take and go back to the idea of a shepherd, they would be in a field, and the field would be somewhat protected, and typically there would be a, a couple different people around, but there would be one that was oversight, overseeing all of those. Those sheep would have been known. Those sheep were... That was their livelihood. If they were missing, it was a big deal. The thought that goes through the mind. And we may look at it, and I'll be real honest, there's been times in my life as an adult that I've read through this passage of Scripture, and I've thought, well, one, I'm not an animal lover, so this may make reference here. What if one were gone? Is it really that big of a deal? But it makes reference in this passage of Scripture. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine? And it makes it personal. If we look at the shepherd and the sheep, and if we look at Christ and we being his sheep, it's personal to him. I am not just somebody down here. I am personal to Christ. Let's take it to your house. I have four children. If one of my children was missing, I'm not going to go, well, we still have three others. They'll be okay. There's times that sounds better than others. But I'm not going to do that. There's going to be one Subject, or there's going to be one thought in my mind until that child comes home, and that is, where are they? Are they safe? Are they comfortable? Do they have food? Are they in danger? What is going on? 
where is it? Where is she? Where is he? Where is the sheep that is missing? And when I take that and I make it personal in my home, it makes it a little different to me. I've fortunately never lost any of my children anywhere, I don't think. We've lost EJ around this building a number of times. He loves to play hide and seek, and it's not funny. But I've never lost a child. But there was a week in my life when I was a teenager where my oldest sister ran away. And we did not know where she was. And I remember that week in our home. I remember the thoughts through my parents talking. I remember my younger sister and myself meeting together, crying and and praying. And we would do a number of different things, making phone call after phone call and, and reaching out and reaching out. There was really one thing that mattered in our home that entire week was where was she? Is she safe? And as I look at this idea and I look at the thought of there is one subject that goes through the mind when one is lost. And it doesn't matter the cost of what it is. There's one lost and I will find that one. And as we look at this and we take it to Christ and we take it to Scripture and we take it to, or we take it to, to where God is and what He's speaking or what Jesus is teaching on, the soul of man, if one of His sheep have gone astray, He hunts it down. There is one thought on His mind. As we look at all of these different things and we look at the, the thoughts that can go through our mind, For those men, he was teaching them and he was taking it to a personal place because as a shepherd, again, it's, it's how I eat. As a shepherd, I am looked at upon as to how I keep my sheep. As a shepherd, I am looked upon as to, to, to the, the way in which my, my flock is cared for and tended to. And then knowing my sheep, You know, one of the things with sheep, and they say it often, sheep are dumb. But sheep have to be led to water. Sheep have to be led to food. Sheep had to have to be led in all of these things. Sheep have to be corralled and kept from danger because they don't understand, they don't comprehend, I guess you could say, that what is over there is dangerous. And so in the mind of the shepherd, in the mind of God, and he looks at us and he has one thought on our mind as we have tarried away. He has came for one reason, to seek and to save that which was lost. And if Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost, and he's teaching the the parable to these people at this time, and he says, if one has gone away, If one has gone astray, would you not leave all of that for that one? There's but one thought, one subject that would be upon your mind. Last week we touched briefly on compassion. Well, I shouldn't say briefly. We touched for 45 minutes on compassion. Jesus 
in the passage we looked at last week, stopped what he was doing, looked at all of the sheep that were out in front of him and was moved with compassion. Here he is taking it, not as just any lost sheep, but his own lost sheep. We are his sheep. He has chosen you and I. In John 17, it speaks that, the, that, that you and I were the fathers and He gave them to His Son. He purchased each and every one of us. That purchase was that He laid His life down for a sheep. So to lose one in which He paid the ultimate price the thought that was on the mind and what he was teaching was just that. There is no cost too high. Think of that. We look at Christ. We can look at our own lives. Look at your children, whatever it would be, whatever, what takes you there. The cost that was paid I don't know what you've purchased lately. I know somebody purchased a new Toyota lately. But my guess is when you've purchased that, whatever it is that you've purchased, if somebody came up to you and was like, hey, uh, I'm going to take this, most likely you're not going to go, oh, see you later. Thank you. Glad you took that off my hands. I didn't really want that anyways. No, you paid a cost for that, or the price. And you're not just going to go, there you go. Christ paid the ultimate price. And when one is left, he doesn't stop at anything to make sure that he gets to it. So we have one thought. There is one thought that's being taught, or there's one thought that's prevalent in our mind as one sheep has left. The next, we have one object. We're searching for one specific object. The shepherd didn't leave the 90 and 9 and go and, oh, there's a sheep over there. Let me go grab that. Bring it back into the flock. No. He was looking for the specific one that was his. The one that had the the black dot on the top of the head. The one that had a specific look. That had a specific sound. Whatever it would be, it was one sheep. He had one object that he was looking for. We take that to you and me. Jesus knows each of his sheep. He knows the hairs on the head. He knows the depths of our heart. He knows the pain that you went to bed with. He knows the struggle that you face today. He knows the week that you had. He knows the week that you will have. He knows each and every one of us. We like to think that we know ourselves. We don't know anything about ourselves as much and compared to what Christ knows about each of us. I don't care how many head, hairs are on my head. Some of you wish you had a few more. 
I don't care. I know that sounds whatever, maybe that's a a bad representation, but I really don't care how many hairs are on my head. But Jesus cares that the number of hairs that are on your head. The shepherd knows the exact sheep that he's looking for. Jesus comes looking for you. Jesus comes looking for me. Not only does he know us when we try and leave or find ourselves in the midst of pain and heartache, we decide to to flee, he would leave the 99 for you. We are personal to him. We aren't just a number. Here's something that's even, again, just another thought there, but Jesus doesn't send an angel to go find you. Jesus himself comes to find you. Jesus doesn't just send an angel. I'm telling you right now, I am not sending. I am hunting if somebody takes one of my children. I personally am on the manhunt. I'm not going to say, hey, Marcus, I know you're in security. Could you, uh, could you go find my kid? I've got to work today. I know a handful of police officers, and I'm sure they would be involved. But I'm not going to call them and say, hey, uh, I know this is kind of what you do. I've got work to do. If you could make sure that my child comes home safe in the next week, that would be awesome. No. I may call them, but you better believe I'm going to be on the hunt night and day for the one that is missing out of my home. I'm not calling somebody else. Jesus doesn't call somebody else. He comes searching for you. Again, I kind of stated this a little bit earlier. The sheep is clueless as to what, is a, what he is about to get himself into. The shepherd is searching and searching, going through the mountain and, and into the thickets and up the mountain and down the mountain, searching and coming across danger and all of the different things. All the while, the sheep has no clue what's around him. I don't know about you, but have you ever found yourself where you think you know where you're going and you're walking yourself right into the midst of danger? Maybe there's been a time in your Christian life where you kind of thought you had it together and you didn't need God anymore and, and you just decided that things are going okay and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over here. All the while, Jesus is tracking you. Why? Jesus knows the danger that's over here. Jesus knows those things. Jesus sees them. Jesus Jesus knows what's ahead. He knows he's eternal. While we, you and I, we have no clue what we're about to get into. Yeah, but I'm making money. I'm living the life. I've got a great house. I've got a great car. I've I've got a wonderful wife and kids, and things are just awesome. And God's going, whoa, stop. Time out. Time out. You're the object of the search. And he sees the danger that you're surrounding yourself with. When we, we're in the middle of the thicket, we don't have a clue the wolf is behind us. We don't have a clue what's going on all around us. While Jesus is hunting. There's no stopping 
when it comes to the object of the search. There's one time we stop. That's when we've found what we're looking for. Jesus doesn't stop at you. I can think of many times in my life, and I've never been done these heinous things, but I can think of many times in my life where I was on my own, and I was going to do my own thing because I had, I had things together, or maybe I was angry, or I was hurt, or whatever it would be. Jesus was right there. He was right behind me. He was tracking until he found me and told me where he wanted me to be. As we look at this thought, there is no stopping until they find him. Think of this, and I don't know if this makes any sense to you, but the cost that it would take, the pain that we go through. As we get to this next point here, and this, I want to just make this thought to you, and again, you may be dumb. I look at my family, I look at my wife, and I see there's, there's a number of you just even recently. We have, what, three or four brand new babies just in the last couple months, and I have four children. We have a couple that are pregnant now, a couple due in the next month, month and a half. There's a lot of un- discomfort that goes along with that, and I don't know that personally because I've never been, but there's a lot of discomfort. I was with my wife through four of our children, all four of them. Never one time when either of our children, any of our children came out, were born, did my wife go, are you kidding me? I did all that for that? All of that pain, all of that nine months was for that? Never once. I don't know what happened in your home and where you had your babies, but never once in the hospital did my wife ever go, that was a waste of my time. I'll never forget the expression on Mindy's face on all four of our children the first time she held them. That's one of those expressions that's just... And it was never one time disappointment, are you serious? Not once. Not once in the object of the search... Would we or would Jesus get to the place, find us and look at us and go, are you kidding? What were you thinking? Why did you do all of this? Blah, 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 whatever those things were. No more than any of you ladies would look at one of your children and say, that, all that pain for this? No, it's personal. And when Jesus takes out the object, the search. I want to give you this quote, this statement. Jesus, and it leads right into this next point, but as we look at this this point, or we look at this passage, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which was lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it upon his shoulders 
rejoicing. I don't know what comes of this particular passage, and I don't know all of the the specifics, but as we think of this, did they just go and put the sheep right back in the flock? You might go, that's a really dumb question. Did Would the shepherd have gone and thrown that sheep on his shoulders and walk all that trek all that way back to go and just go, hey, throw him right back into the flock? Or did the, the shepherd take a few moments, a few days, whatever it would be, just to kind of hold on to that sheep? I look at my life and I think of a couple different times in my life. I think of times where I've been away from home for a a week or a week and a half, whatever that would be. And I think of going to the airport or flying back in and getting home, the excitement, the joy to to see my children, to, to have the kids run up. And you just hold them. To give them a big hug. I'll never forget one of the the maybe most emotional uh times that I've personally had being gone away. I had the the week after uh, Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans, I had the opportunity to be down in Louisiana and in, in, in the, everything that was going on. I was on the tarmac receiving people off the roofs and taking them from the, their, the, the airport. And I would take them in the airport with, with the little bit of luggage or whatever that they had. And I would take them to another place so that they could be flown to one of three or four cities. And so I was there that whole week, and I was down into, pretty much I got to see everything that was there. And I'll never forget that week coming home, getting off the plane, grabbing a hold of my wife, and my, we had one at that time, and just holding them. Because I had just seen families that were split. I had just seen lives that had lost loved ones. I had seen death before my eyes that I had never seen before. It was a different emotion. It was a different holding on at that time than ever before in my life. And I think of this, if I had searched and searched and searched and searched, and I, I find that sheep, I'm just going to hold on. Think of Christ as he searched and searched and just kind of holds on to us. Being reunited is special. Does he just hold us? The shepherd has one thought. The shepherd has one subject. The shepherd has one love. One has said it this way, in his incarnation he came after the lost sheep, in his life he continued to seek it. In his death, he laid it upon his shoulders. In his resurrection, he bore it on its way. And in his ascension, he brought it home rejoicing. Our Lord's career is a course of soul winning, a life laid out for his people. And in it, you may trace the whole process of salvation. We see his passion, his vision, his goal is to seek and to save that which was lost. He will go about and do at any cost. It cost him a whole lot. From the time he was born until he died, he had a death sentence. There was many attempts at his life. But why? 
Why would he hang out with the chiefest of sinners? Why? Why would he go to dinner with people that that those around him hated? Why would he do the things that he did? Because he had a mission, he had a goal, and it was to seek and to save that which was lost. He had a burden, he had a love. And when he has found you, it says he lifted the sheep and carried him on his shoulders in verse number 5. Do you remember being lifted and carried on his shoulders from the depth of the despair that you were in? Do you remember what it was like to know that it is no longer your burden, but he lifted you? Your burden became his burden. Do you remember that feeling, that moment where his love was made so real to you? The shepherd is the burden bearer. The weight of the sheep is on the shepherd's shoulders. The sheep rides, the sheep rests, the shepherd does the laboring. It's humbling. It's humbling to me to think that I am the sheep and Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is the one that wants to bear my burden. Jesus Christ is the one that wants to to pick me up out of the thicket and put me on his shoulders and say, hey, welcome home. Hey, I found you. You're safe. Hey, everything's going to be okay. Jesus Christ is the one, it says in Philippians, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It was the cross where He bore our sins, where He carried that pain, where He carried that burden that we so often attempt to carry. The Son of God became subservient to the sons of man. The Maker of heaven and earth bowed His shoulders to bear the weight of sinners. And the last point this morning is one joy. There is one subject, there's one thought there, there's one object of the search, there's one love, the burden that he had for you and me, and there's one joy. This man would find the sheep carried upon his shoulders. He was full of joy. Think of this passage of scripture where it says that the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. The joy that was set before him, and he endured the cross. He looked at that, I don't know about you, I don't look at the cross as joy. I don't look at bearing somebody else's burden as joy. But yet Jesus Christ was full of joy. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. He looked out in that crowd, stating that he he was moved with compassion. He doesn't see the pain of the cross, but the joy of each one of those that would be on his shoulders, that he could say, you're safe. Things are okay. I've got that burden. Don't carry it any longer. I have taken them upon my shoulders and none can hurt them now. 
neither can they wander to destruction. I am bearing their sin, and they shall never come into condemnation. The penalty of their guilt has been laid upon me, that it may never be laid on them. I am an effectual and efficient substitute for them. I am bearing that they may never bear my Father's righteous ire. His love to them made it a joy to feel every lash of the scourge of justice. His love to them made it a delight that the nails should pierce his hands and feet, that his heart should be broken with the absence of his Father. Even Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani, when the deeps of its woe have been sounded, will be found to have pearls of joy in its caverns. No shout of triumph can equal that cry of grief because our Lord joyed to bear even the forsaking by His Father for the sin of His chosen, whom He had loved from before the foundation of the world. Charles Spurgeon wrote in 1884. No shout of triumph can equal the cry of grief because our Lord joyed to bear even the forsaking by His Father for the sin of Him who was chosen. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what that thought is for you. But when He hath found it, He layeth it upon His shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. As we come to kind of a a wrapping up of this this morning and then this sermon, to think of following somebody that has a vision, that has a mission, that has a goal that's set before them. And to think that that goal is to seek and to save that which was lost. To think that that goal was to enjoy, to have joy over bearing you and my sin. To think that Jesus in my sorrow, that Jesus in my grief, that Jesus in my pain, that Jesus in in my heartache, that Jesus in the depths of where I may or may not be, that Jesus in any of those things would come down, pick me up, put me on His shoulders and say, it's okay. It's okay. Jesus would seek out me. Seek me out. That Jesus would would go up the mountain. That Jesus would go down. That Jesus would, would fight through the thicket. That Jesus would go through what Jesus would go through. Because I was wandering astray. Why? Because He came to seek and to save that which was lost. I said it early on in the message this morning. in your pain, in your hurt, in your sorrow, in the good week, in the bad week, in the tough times, in the good times, in a place where you don't understand, in a place where you think Jesus Christ is no longer, 
in a place where you would sit down at bed at night and you would say, but God, where are you? God, why would you allow? God, I don't understand. Jesus follows. And he's searching for one, you. He's searching for me, just one. A specific object, his own child. That he could put up on his shoulders and say, hey, everything's okay. Hey, everything's okay. I've got that pain. Hey, you don't any longer have to go that route. Hey, you don't any longer have to be down that path. Hey, you no longer have to to carry that burden all on your own. I'm carrying it for you now. Listen, as we wrap this sermon series up this morning, and as we look at some of these things, and I'm not going to dive into this, I'm already kind of wrapping up on my time, but he invited his neighbors to rejoice. He invited his friends and his families to come and rejoice. And it says in verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. When Jesus reached down and he grabbed Aaron Flanagan and he threw him on his shoulders and he said, hey, everything's okay. All of heaven rejoiced. When Jesus reached down and he grabbed you and you can put your name there and he put you on his shoulders and he said, everything's okay. Hey, I've got this all under control. I've followed you a long way. You no longer have to carry that. You no longer have to take on that burden. Everything's going to be okay. I look at that and I think of a number of things. But follow the leader. Why did he come? He came in humility. He came to serve you and to serve me. He came to forgive you and he came to forgive me. He came full of compassion as he looked upon the crowd and he was moved with compassion. He came with a purpose and with a mission and with a vision and it was to seek and to save that which was lost, which is you and which is me. And he did so at all cost. Because he had a love, he had a burden, he had a passion, and that passion was each one of us. This morning, I know a lot of this sermon series has been kind of, I don't want to say simple, but some of it just been simple. This morning isn't this great bombastic thought that you didn't know But why is Christ here? Why can I follow Him? Why would He leave the ninety and nine to search and to seek and to find you? He loves. The joy that was set before Him to endure the pain upon the cross, He did that with you in mind. What was the joy? The joy was you when you bowed your head. The joy was you when you said, I need you, I need a Savior. 
The joy was you when you took that burden upon yourself and you said, Jesus, I need you here. Take that. That was the joy. Why can I follow him? I can follow somebody who has one goal and one mission. And at all costs, he goes after it. Can I say this morning, this morning, he went after you. He found you in a thicket. Maybe this morning you're in the middle of it. You've never accepted him. You've never came to a place where you, you've just reached out and said, here you are, and he's reached up and he's put you on his shoulders. Maybe you've never came to that place. Let me beg you this morning, there's no greater time, there's no greater place than to do that right now. But for many of you, I sit out, I sit here and I look and I know and I've, I've seen and I've heard some of your story of salvation. Let me tell you, he's lifted you up. You can follow that. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? The mission and the, the, the mission of Oasis Baptist Church is to be and to create passionate followers of Christ. What am I going to do with it? Am I willing to go to the depths? Or is that a little bit too far and that's too hard? Am I willing to Take a hold of the compassion and, and understand that there's people outside of these walls that need a Savior? Am I willing to be the one that's going to do my best to seek and to seek and to seek and to seek because you know a loved one needs the Savior? I don't know. I don't know where you are. But I know this. Jesus Christ took upon Him the joy of the cross for you and for me. When there was no deserving, but he did it to pull you up out of that mire, to pull you up out of that and say, hey, let me, let me carry that weight. Let me carry that burden. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.